Well, I couldn't help thinking of that verse. I shall remember this day all the way the Lord thy God has led thee. must be lovely to reach that very old age and look back and to trace the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And to be able to say, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And to realize you've got a new song in your heart. Even praise unto our God. I think it's very fitting that I just stay with about a third of what I was going to do because it's all about singing, you know. It's all about having something to sing about and having something to thank God for. We're in Revelation chapter 15 and I'll read those first four verses with you. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. And it is great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God. That's terrifyingly marvelous, as we read later. But he says, I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast. That's what happened up there in New Guinea, you know, for Satan had those people right in his, as captives, right in under his thumb. He had sway over them, but there was a victory through the breakthrough in the gospel. Victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name. They stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, and they sing. That's a glorious future for the believer, the redeemed, in the presence of God, as we sing. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Is the song of the past. And they sing the song of the Lamb. That's the song of the present. And it's the combined song of the future. Saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. And amen to that. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou only art holy. And all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. We looked at that last week. We looked at the singers, and we saw where they stood, and we drew the lessons. They were a great blessing. These singers are those, it says, that have gained the victory, remember? There they are standing in the fullness of the blessing of redemption on the sea of glass, in the presence of God, and in the presence of the Lamb. These are those who have been reached that final destiny of their glorification. And they have been through the life, the real world, where they've had to wrestle and overcome and gain the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark. And in the meantime, they have finally moved through and they've arrived at the place of glory. Yes, this is the final glorification, the final perseverance of the saints. And fellow believers, come what may in life, ultimately we'll know the final triumph and we'll stand perfect in his presence for all eternity. You remember overcoming was one of the major themes of the book of Revelation. The Lord Jesus, the great overcomer, chapter 1 and chapter 5. And then the believer 
the overcomer on earth in the church in chapters 2 and chapter 3, climaxing at the end of the book, he that overcomes shall inherit these things. I will be to him father and he shall be to me as a son. There they are in their final victory, standing in perfection on that sea of glass, mingled with fire, and it spoke to us of the peace, of the security, of the calmness and the clarity of the soul that is in the presence of God. Sin cannot touch them anymore. Satan cannot reach them. And God will never judge them. Even though there's fire in that sea, there's still not a ripple on the surface, for they're there safe, beyond the reach of sin and of Satan, and never to face the judgment of God, but to rest in the blessedness of the presence of the one who has redeemed them. Peace, clarity, understanding, and joy. Fellow Christian, the message was, and I want to just give it to you again, reminding you that in the presence of God, there is peace, there is understanding, there is clarity, and there is joy for us now. And the message was, learn to spend time in the presence of God. For the man or woman who lives by prayer is the man or woman who knows what it means to live in peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which is better than understanding, it will fill your heart. That man in Psalm 73 so distressed, so disturbed, so overwhelmed, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I. And he ends up the psalm, he changes so beautifully, and he says, it's good for me to draw near to the Lord. Can I encourage our hearts this morning to learn to spend more time with the Lord? To learn to talk to him Constantly to bring every burden before him always. To learn like Mary to sit at his feet and to listen to his word. To draw aside sometimes from the hurly-burly of life and the turmoil of your own mind and the demands that are around us all the time and like Mary just to sit calmly, to take your Bible, to open it and to read it slowly to read it out loud, to talk to the Lord out loud. And as you talk to him and as you read his words, so he speaks back to you and their thoughts of peace, thoughts of joy, bringing you understanding in the mysteries of life, in the anomalies of all that goes on and the distresses of all that could disturb. There's a calmness, there's a peace, there's a clarity and there is a security. The singers and where they stand on that sea of glass. But now listen to their song. Verse 3 and 4. They sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. They are singing the two great songs of redemption. In the song of Moses they are looking back and they're seeing the great things that the Lord has done for them. 
They're singing the two historic songs of redemption. The song of the soul that's been set free. People who have been in bondage and found their chains have been broken. People that have been under sweat and under burden and found that the burden has been lifted. Israel for 400 odd years was it. How long were they down there in Egypt? How long were they under the lash of Pharaoh making the bricks without straw? How long had they been in their bondage? And now they could sing. For they saw their enemy was dead on the seashore. They saw one, their bondage was over. But two, they could never be taken back into bondage again. It was one thing to come out of the land of Egypt on the Passover night and think, I'm free, I'm free. But it's another thing to stand on the banks of the Red Sea, having come out of Egypt and looking down and seeing the one who was your captor in all his strength and all his power will never come and claim you again because Pharaoh and all his host had been drowned in the sea. Fellow believer, they sang that day. They'd been delivered. They would never be taken into bondage again. It was complete. And yet here it is brought together with the song of the Lamb. We have been redeemed, set gloriously free by the blood of the Lamb. And you've got this lovely binding here of the two great songs, the Old Testament and the New Testament being brought together. See, we can often make a big mistake and sort of think, well, the Old Testament and the God of the Old Testament is the God that belongs sort of in the past, sort of to the people of, we'll say, the people of Israel and whatever applied then. And we're sort of New Testament people and we're interested in the God of the New Testament and the song of the New Testament. It's not like that. It's a wonderful revelation when you see the ways of God are all in one single book and there's the same God and there's the same grace and there is the same redemptive power. And here it's all brought together. The two songs are blending into one. And up there on the crystal sea, these children of God, the people of God who've been set free are celebrating the God of redemption in his fullness in the past in his wonder in the present, and in his splendor and glory in the future. You and I can sing the song of the soul set free right now, but fellow Christian, when we're face to face, when we're not looking through a dim window obscurely, when we're knowing as we are known, then we'll sing as we ought to sing, because we're going to understand it all better by and by. So you have, there is one God, there is one Savior, there is one sacrifice for sin, there's one great covenant of blessing, there is one glorious truth of redemption and the song of the soul set free. I wonder what it will be like in eternity when it won't be just you and it won't be just me and it won't be just the New Testament Christians. Oh no, it will be the people of the ages who have been redeemed, the people of faith from right through from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, they'll all be singing the same song because they'll be there because of the same Savior. They'll be basing their, resting their hope on the same sacrifice for sin and the same precious blood that was shed and they'll all be singing the song of the soul set free. That's the picture we've got here. This is the song that's being sung. Now listen to the content of the song. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And what are they saying? 
Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou alone art holy, and all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. Look, look at the breadth of what they're singing, see? Look at what they've got to say. I mean, they have actually lived in a real world, overcoming, in other words, living with the Lord in the strength of his word and of his work and of his help and of his person and of himself. They have drawn everything from that in their life and they have learnt and moved through and they've reached this place of glory where they can express fully the understanding of what the Lord has done for them and who the Lord is. It's like the, the climax, the maturing of it all, bursting into a song of praise. And they've got to sing of his works, they're singing of his ways, they're singing of his name, and they're telling of his might. Fellow Christian, that's how we grow in the faith, you see. You know, if you've been saved for five years, you should know the Lord better and thank him more than you did five years before. If you've been saved for 50 years, you should have found that it's like this tree that's taken root downward and bearing fruit upward. It's, it's growing out like that. You're getting a better understanding of the breadth. You know your Lord better. You know the ways of God better. You have proved him so much more. Jesus has grown sweeter as the days go by. And then it goes upward because all the while it's expanding that way in understanding and fullness, yet lifting you up to glory and causing you to praise and to glorify and to worship his holy name. This is the normal Christian life. We don't stay little children, you know, stumbling fearfully. We're getting stronger in the Lord and in the might of his strength. We don't just have a little bit of understanding of the Bible so that, you know, when we face situations, we, we just don't know where to go. It's not like that as you grow older. It should never be. And it's absolutely wonderful to stand back this morning and to see what the Lord has done as the years have gone by in the, la- in the, in the life of an elderly saint. To some extent, we should all be moving fellow Christian in that direction. They sing of his works. The Lord has done great things for me, whereof I am glad, says the psalmist. He that is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, says Mary. As she is only a young woman, and she's been a godly young woman, and she's been a true worshipper of the God of Israel, and now she hears, and she had heard about the coming Messiah, and now she sees him at work. Can you not see the song that's coming in her heart now? She wasn't singing like this six months previously. But actually having met up with the angel, having heard that the Lord was going to work, and marveling that she, a handmaid of the Lord, should have been chosen for such a tremendous work, she breaks into her Magnificat and she glorifies the Lord. And that's what this is all about. She sings of his works. You and I, we sing of his works in our life. If you asked our sister if she had a good enough voice, could she not sing and sing and sing and tell us of the works which the Lord has done in her life, his goodness, his faithfulness, how he has corrected us all and changed us all. Because the whole of life as we live it with him is intended to bring fruit for God. In other words, to, to take off those rough edges, to remove those sinful characteristics, to take away those disgusting features that we've all got. 
and to shape us and to mould us more into his image so that when people look at us, they see something of the Lord Jesus shining out of us before we've even said a single word. That's exactly what happened in the Acts of the Apostles. As they watched those Christians, they said, hey, look at them over there. Who are these people? And somebody says, oh, I know them. They've been with Jesus and they've learned of him. That's it. You're singing of his works because you're declaring them in the ways in which you live. You see it in creation. Of course you do. And it's wonderful to see the complexity and beauty of creation and to praise the creator God. It took a miracle to put the world in space. It took a miracle to put the stars in their place. But when he saved my soul and he made me every whit whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. Do you see your singing of his words? From creation to redemption. From the word as it's been revealed to you to the God who has made himself known to you through the journey of life. That's why we're left here now. We're left here to learn him, to learn more of him and to get to know him better. And when we get home to heaven, we won't find it's all strange because the one we meet on the yonder shore is the one we've lived with and walked with right through our lives. I love that old hymn. There no stranger God shall meet thee. See that? No stranger. He won't be a stranger to you. There no stranger God shall meet thee. Stranger thou in courts above, aren't you already acquainted with him? He who to his rest shall greet thee. He will greet thee with a well-known love. And they sing of his works and they sing of his ways. They see the way the Lord has dealt with them. And then they see the way the Lord has dealt with other people. They see the way the Lord has worked around them in the world in reaching and bringing out of the morass of the darkness of sin, bringing people to himself, you see, building his church one by one. And you wonder how he did it and how he does it and how he got to you and how he ever reached you. And having reached you and saving you, he then sanctified you, he changed you, he molded you and you sing of his works and you sing of his ways. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways, the way he does things, are past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor, for of him and through him and to him are all things, forever and ever. Amen. He planned it. He purposed it. He moved. He worked. He shaped. He redeemed. And he brought us finally, and he will bring us finally, to the perfection of being glorified. They sang of his works. They sang of his ways and they declare the marvel of his name. Glorify thy name. I don't know what they sang. I wish I knew what they sang. Did they go to Isaiah and they sang, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When you hear the Messiah sung, Handel's great oratorio, don't you tingle to your very fingertips? I do, you know, you just sort of get a boo. You want to break out in a sweat or a tingle. You think this is marvelous, wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We used to take the children to that when they were very small. Every year we'd go and you'd come away absolutely on a high. The gospel had been preached all night from people maybe who didn't quite know what they were singing, but it was the word of God. We're singing of his ways, of his name, I should say. And then it says you're singing of his might. And look, what can you say? I mean, 
Those tribes that our sister went to in New Guinea were headhunters, they were cannibals. I don't know much about them, except I've seen some of her pictures, and they were the most horrific-looking human species. <laughs> Bones everywhere, and they were terrifying. And look at them. Look, hundreds, thousands, she said, remembering the Lord this morning and praising his name. We are singing of his might. He has broken the power of death. He has broken the power of sin. He has broken the power of Satan. And out of darkness, he has brought that wonderful light. Do you wonder why they sing? Of course they sing. Do you wonder why the Christian sings? Of course we sing. A new song in our hearts. Praise unto our God. And a new verse is added. <laughs> Every month that goes by, we should be able to write another verse and write another verse as we tell what? Of his works, of his ways, of his name, and of his might. Now notice just something else about it. If you notice the way they speak in their song, the way they address the one they're singing to, they say, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord, God, Almighty. Just get a sense of awe when you think like that. You know, we, we must get a real sense of who God is. If you will live with him, if you will read his word, if you will speak to him, if you will spend time in his presence, there'll come a time when he will bring you and show you something of his glory. Moses said, didn't he, Lord, he said, after all I've proved of you and all I've known of you and all you've done through me and for me and to this people. What did he actually say when he made, that, made his request? He said, Lord, just show me your glory. Show me, Lord, who you really are in the marvel of your person and the grandeur of your presence. Lord, show me your glory. Lord, God, almighty. And there will come a time when, like Isaiah of old, he maybe will give you the sense of who he is as the one who is surrounded by those seraphim who say, holy, 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 as the one whose glory will fill the temple, whose presence will be like the clouds of smoke and yet the sweetness of incense and you'll fall down and you'll say, oh, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He had a sense of who he was when he got a true sense of who God was. Now that's missing in Christianity today. That sense of awe and wonder and reverence because it's dawned on you who he really is. Lord, God, Almighty, King of Saints. In other words, there's absolute sovereignty. To whom all worship is due, and like the psalmist of old, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. See now, see these, these overcomers, they've got the victory. See them where they stand. Listen to what they sing as they sing of his name and they declare all of his works and they call the whole, as it were, universe to worship him. And when you, when you start to learn God like this, when you start to ponder the ways of God like this, when you take time out of the stupidity of modern life and its hurry, and when you learn not to go on being completely controlled by your own thoughts, and your own busyness, even if it's just a Martha, 
who was completely flustered with all that she had to do and she missed out on the blessing of a Mary, if you can come to the sense of just spending time with the Lord, fellow Christian, if we would only spend more time in the sanctuary, if we would only spend more time in the presence of God, go into the sanctuary of God and be grateful and ponder and worship, if only that would be so, so there would come from us this maturity of understanding, this strength of faith, this ability to glorify God. And as they said in their song, and as they called the folk to do, they said, fear him. That's in verse 4. Who shall not fear thee, glorify him, and glorify thy name, and worship him. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And we stop there. What's the last verse in the book of Psalms? The Psalms are books of praise, you know. The Psalms are books of praise, written by many individuals, not just one, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. There's writer after writer, and they are particularly books of particularly that come, sorry, written, songs written from experience. Songs written by people who have pondered God and his ways, who have looked at God and his promises. And they, the consequence of doing that is they've sat down and they've written down the experience which they had and the thoughts which blessed them. And fellow Christian, you and I, as we move through life with its trials, its dark patches, its difficulties, and as we prove the Lord and find the Lord, sit down and write a psalm. Do you understand what I mean? You should have something. You, you parents should have something to tell your children. You've written your psalms about your own life, the experiences you've been through, the things you've proved. You should be able to pass that on, as it were, to your children. You grandparents, we should have a lot to tell our children and our children's children of what we have learnt of the Lord, of how we have known his protection and preservation, how he's delivered us from our own foolishness and from our own sins, how he has lifted us up and he's put a new song into our heart, even praise unto our God. And how does it end in Psalms? What's the last Psalm? Let everything that has breath. What's the last verse of the last Psalm? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's do that this morning and go away from this place looking up, lifted up, glorifying the name of the one who's blessed us. Let's pray. So, Lord, we just bow this morning and are so thankful that we can come into the house of the Lord and we can sit in your divine presence and find the word of God lifts us up. The fellowship with saints lifts us up. The realization of what the Lord has done, it lifts us up. And looking on future to the wonders yet to come, truly, Lord, it lifts us up. So we sing again this morning. What great things the Lord has done for us. And we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.